0: Hey, this is Pastor Spencer with Racine Bible Church. You're listening to a sermon from a Sunday morning. Well, good morning. Um. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Adam Markowski, and Lord willing, um, myself, along with my wife and three boys, get the awesome privilege of taking the gospel to Papua New Guinea to a people who want it so bad that they're asking for missionaries. But today, we are going to be hearing from God's word in the book of Ecclesiastes. So open your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and I'll have you stand for the reading of God's word. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened, and the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men. Are bent and the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low they are afraid also of what is high And terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails. Because man is going to his eternal home. And the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was. And the spirit returns to, the, to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd, my son. Beware of anything beyond these, of making many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. You may be seated. Well, in 2010, a centric millionaire remember I'm not sure if any of you have heard the story, Forrest Fenn launched a treasure hunt when he announced that he had hidden a chest worth an estimated $1 million in the Rocky Mountains. Tens of thousands of people set out to search for the treasure, some of them obsessively. In 2020, a 53-year-old man named Mike was hiking in the remote area searching for the treasure. Days later, they airlifted Mike's body off the mountain after being found froze to death. He became the fifth person to die while searching for Forrest Friend's hidden treasure. When asked about this, a, journa- a journalist covering the story said, I think a lot of people really wanted to be part of something bigger than themselves. Maybe there was something missing in their lives. Now, some of us hear this story and think, yeah, okay, that guy's silly. I would never go on a mountain looking for money. We know that's just temporary stuff. But, Christian, let me ask you how much time have you spent thinking about all the temporary stuff in your life this week? Like the college you didn't get into, your 401k. That hot rod you always wanted. Your 20 to 30 years of retirement. That better paying job rather than eternity. So let's talk about that. In our text today, uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, some of you may have not been in here recently, we'll just review. Solomon, some say the Koheleth or the teacher, has been through a similar experience. He has been searching down all life's temporary roads. In chapters one and two, he tries the paths of wisdom, pleasure, laughter, and worldly accomplishment. With each of these, he comes to a dead end and concludes, all is vanity, a striving after the wind. In chapter five, He tries wealth and riches and yet the same thing. Nothing is satisfying and on and on until we get to chapter 12. And it is here that Solomon finally gets to something that is not meaningless and his frustrating search comes to an end. He tells us about it using three main points which are summarized in three words with F. Don't forget, life is fleeting, and fear God. So why all this focus on remembering our Creator? Well, that's the first F, don't forget God. In these first verses of uh, Ecclesiastes, Solomon starts out chapter 12 by making his appeal Remember your creator in the days of your youth. So what if you're not a youth? That's okay. Because the same principle still applies. To really live life to the fullest, which you can do at any age, by the way. If you really want the good life, at 40, 50, 60, 20, doesn't matter. Remember your creator while there is still time. Do not waste your life. The world will tell you, youth for pleasure, middle age for business, and old age for religion. The Bible doesn't say that. Scripture never tells us to wait for a certain age to walk with God. This is what I used to think. I thought, I'll get to God later on in my life but God is telling us rather now is the appointed time. Youth, middle age, old age are all to be lived for the creator. Okay, so we were talking about youth. In the days of youth, you have all the energy and vigor that comes from being a beginning human. If you don't agree with me, Try to follow a two-year-old all day and mimic everything they do. See how you feel at the end of the day. It's no wonder they need naps. (laughs) According to a study out of the UK, the daily movements of a toddler complete with all their running uses the same adult energy of completing 83 rounds in the boxing ring, 30 miles of running, or cycling 82 miles at 12 miles an hour. Also, during your early years of life, why is Solomon um, really focused on this? Because during those very early years, you're inclined to forget your creator. All of life's temptations are being flashed before your eyes for the very first time and they look really good. Alcohol, drugs, parties, Whatever it is, it's all vying for your attention. But Solomon tells us, right at the beginning is when you should start remembering your creator. This is a pathway best started on the early dawn of life. So what does it mean to remember your creator? And we'll touch on this a couple different times. Simply to obey and acknowledge his lordship in your life. We see this word, Um, remember throughout Scripture. So I'm going to turn to Numbers. You don't have to turn there. Numbers 15, 37 through uh, 41. I'll just read it. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the people of Israel and tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and to put a cord of blue on the tassel of each corner and it shall be a tassel for you to look at and remember all the commandments of the Lord, to do them, not to follow after your own heart and your own eyes, which you are inclined to whore after. So you shall remember and do all my commandments and be holy to your God. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. So this remember, it's not like, this is what I would think if I thought of the word remember, they, when they ask you to recall all the names of the U.S. capitals in school. Look at verses 39 and 40 of what I just read. It was, so as to do them and not follow after your own heart and your own eyes of which you played the harlot. And here's our verse so that you may remember to do all my commandments and be holy to your God. So this idea of remembering your creator was not just in Israel's case, recalling something or acknowledging that God existed. He had commanded them and he was calling them to um, remember all that he had done and that he was the Lord and to obey him So again, what it means to remember your creator is to acknowledge him as Lord and obey him. Sure, okay. So we've talked about that God wants us to obey him and love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But we have plenty of time to do that, right? No. Life is short. Solomon moves on and tells us why it's essential to remember our creator in our youth. Because in the days of older age life gets harder. Verse 1 tells us before the days of evil come. This is synonymous with the days of darkness from chapter 11, verse 8, where Solomon is using darkness to speak of the incoming invasion of death to the body. With that invasion, the body begins to slowly break down. You who are over 50, You know that when you were young, you might have been able to play a full contact sport, run miles, and the next day wake up and feel great. You try that now, and the next day you will try to get out of bed and make more of a rolling motion. (laughs) Your body is reminding you that your youth has passed. Things have begun to break down. Tasks that were once easy for you are now harder to do. And if that's not enough, there's more. The end of verse 1 says the years draw near when you will say, I have no pleasure in them. So As you age, the things that you used to take pleasure in don't have the same zing they once had. Young person, you may rush out now to see a new movie at the movie theater. When you get older, you may say, I'll wait till it comes out on streaming. Maybe then I'll watch it. Next, Solomon describes the breakdown in more general terms by giving us another picture. Verse 2. Before the sun and the light of the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds disappear after the rain. Now, typically, the sun and the moon and the stars don't dim. But here, the creation is being undone. Solomon uses this imagery to show... That just as the creation here is being unmade, so in time every person is. And this this time comes quickly. It is this type of language that is forcing us to take seriously the exhortation that has been given to remember our creator in the now. Verses 3 and 4. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent... When I think about that, I think about when I purchased my car a couple of years ago. Well, this is actually well, 12 years ago now. Um, I, I went to the DMV and, um, with the title from the previous owner and um, uh, tried to get it titled in my name. And the salesman told me that he'd got it in on trade from an elderly couple. And I didn't think much of it until when I looked at the title, I noticed a small, shaky-looking signature written there in pen. This is the idea with verses 3 through 5. That in the sunset of life, that nice, smooth signature starts to look jagged, not because you're trying to make a new calligraphy, but because your hands and your body just shake. Something so simple and basic as writing with a pen becomes a bit unreadable. Old age brings the loss of control of our muscles and also instead of walking upright, even strong men start to stoop. So the idea of the body not being the same as it used to be is carried all the way through verse 5 where it concludes that all this happens because man is going to where? His eternal home. Now, Solomon brings the brevity of life discussion to a close, and we get to see the bigger picture. Yes, eternity. Life, which is like a fragile silver cord or golden bowl, is finally broken, and the body returns to the earth, and the spirit returns back to God for eternity. So, Christian, I have another question for you same one that I asked at the beginning. Has what you've thought about and done in your life up to this point mattered for eternity? If it hasn't, Solomon would say, it's meaningless. Yeah, that plastic surgery, that's meaningless. Your body's going to break down no matter what you do. Becoming promoted to a director or supervisor in your company That's great, but it's not going to matter for eternity. Becoming the next social media star. A lot of young people want that. God tells us through Solomon, this is vanity. Chasing after the wind. Almost guaranteed in one to two generations, people won't even know who Logan Paul is. So maybe you're thinking, all right, I get it. I'm going to die, and in the meantime... I'm going to be a wrinkly old person whose life will be short with no eternal purpose if I don't fear God. But what does it really mean to fear God? That's a good question. There are two types of fear. Fear of death and fear of God. Each of us has one of these. In the final part of chapter 12, Solomon brings us to the culmination or the end of the matter. And he says, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. So now the whole duty of man is just another way of him saying, this is everyone's duty for, this is for all people. So the fear of God is good for everyone. Unfortunately, not everyone does it. The fool rejects God's word. He doesn't understand who God is. And because of that, he has no fear of God. For him, there is only one fear, which is what we just talked about. That is, there is a fearful expectation of what he will receive from God. Luke 12.5, which I'll read here, says, but I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has the authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. And Hebrews 10.31 says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And so for the unbeliever, because they don't know God, they don't worship him, and they don't have a real reason, and they do have a real reason to be afraid. And so for them, there is the fear of death. And then there's the fear of God. That is, not just to know information about God. We can know that he is righteous, holy, and just, and not truly fear him, unless we become a child of God. 1 John 3 says, But as many received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So, I would be remiss if I did not tell you how can you become a child of God. You have to first realize that your sin has separated you from God. Second, you must realize that there's nothing you can do to pay God back for the sin debt against him. And third, you need to know that Jesus Christ came and died upon the cross to pay the penalty for your sin. And he offers you eternal life if you will receive him as your Lord and Savior. And just as the verse we read said, as many as received him. To them he gave the right to become children of God. So if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is your day. Don't wait. Come talk with me. Come talk with Darren. Spencer's probably not here. But you can still talk to Darren we would be happy to talk with you more about it. And for those of you, which I'm assuming is many, who already are children of God, to fear God means that you approach him with reverence and awe. The fear of God should be a motivating factor that drives us to worship in obedience. The fear of God causes us to love him, to worship him, and obey him. Just as Jesus says, if you love me, You will keep my commandments. Put it another way, the fear of God. Imagine the relationship of a father and son. The son does not fear his dad like he's terrified of him. That's not what we're talking about. No, but he loves his dad and reveres him as his authority who loves and cares for him. And just to think that the maker of the universe and the one who commands the heavenly host loves me And cares for me this way. That should drive me to worship. So finally, Solomon makes his appeal remember your Creator in the days of your youth because life is short. Now, some of you might be numbers people and you might know exactly how much you need to invest before you retire or how much you need to buy the lake house you've always wanted. All of that, and you've not taken the time to compute how you will spend your life. So let me ask you again, how are you spending your life? Is what you're doing storing up treasures in heaven? Or are you storing up treasures here where moth and rust can destroy? Now, my wife likes flowers. She'd probably be happy if I brought her home some of these. However, she'd probably not like if I brought her home some of these. Here you go. You like these? Christian, do you really want to give your life to God like this this is what the world would have you do get to God later on give your life to him then when you're all used up God is telling you do not wait live for him today remember the Creator in the days of your youth before the days of evil come, let's pray. Lord Father, thank you for your word, which reminds us that life is short and our days are few. We don't know if we have tomorrow. So, God, I pray for those who are out there who do not know you and that today would be the day of salvation for them and that they would serve you all the days of their life because you are worthy. And there's no greater thing than to be your child and to serve you and walk with you. Father, thank you for all these things and thank you for the privilege that it is to worship you today. In Jesus name, amen. Amen. To find out more about our ministry, contact us at racinebible.org. Thank you for listening.